I'm so excited to just jump in. And I have a word on my heart and something that is really more journal thoughts. So it's a little bit raw, okay. but we're going to just kind of work through it and, and jump in and see how far we get today. But really kind of where this came from, this conversation that started in my heart, and I, I guess it might have been two or three weeks ago, um, Nate and I were sitting in our living room, and, and in Guatemala right now, the, the president comes on every week or so and kind of gives updates, updates mm -hmm. on, you know, what's happening in, in the country, in the world. These are, these are the regulations we're going to put yeah. in this week. This is what's about to change. And we've kind of gotten in this rhythm of, okay, let's, let's tune in. We need to know what's going on. We need to know, yeah. what, you know, where to go from here, what changes to yeah. make. Yeah. And that night, I think I looked at Nate before we were about to turn it on, and I said to him, I was like, I'm, I'm not watching this. Wow. I can't watch this tonight because I can't, I can't handle the bad news. I just, I think I'm just done. And I felt just a weariness and an exhaustion in my spirit that said, I can't, I can't hear any more bad news. So you can just fill me in on the highlights. I'm not watching. It probably wasn't my like strongest point, but I was just, it was a, a spiritual heart exhaustion and, um, and just, you know, a, a, a fear, not a fear, but almost like I can't take any more bad news. And really, this was kind of simmering in my heart for a couple weeks. And this past week, we were having a meeting with our, with our staff team. And Pastor Earl actually read us a scripture from 2 Corinthians 4. This is a scripture where Paul was talking. And I encourage all of you, even if you've read it this past week, go back and read it again. Read the whole chapter and just see what God is speaking to you in, in the current events of everything that's happening in the world. Read through it again and see what God is speaking to you. This is the verse that says, you know what, as believers, we're afflicted but not crushed. You know, we are perplexed but not despaired. We might be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. We might be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. And I'm telling you, as I read this and reread this the past week, it set off something in my spirit. It set off something in my spirit, and I have not been able to get it out of my heart and out of my mind. It was like the best kind of slap to my face, honestly. It was like a spiritual face slap because I think I started realizing and remembering that we as believers as the church are standing on the shoulders of so many other brothers and sisters who have gone before us in the face of bad news and have continued on, have stood firm, have continued running in their calling. That's the reason, you know, the church is still the church. But I think, I think that for me, and I, I believe probably some others, some of us have maybe lost some of that heritage that we actually belong to. Some of us have actually forgotten some of this DNA that has been transplanted into us as believers and are settling with a different heritage and culture because it's what we're seeing around us. And so I want to jump into a scripture because, again, we're standing on shoulders. This is bad news. This is nothing new. This has been happening for a long time. And so I want to jump into Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8. And Isaiah 8, for context, is just the epitome of bad news. It is bad news. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was not unfamiliar with bad news. He was often the bearer of bad news. But to give a little context, in this chapter in Isaiah 8, there's the kingdom of Judah, and everyone is coming against them. Syria is coming against them. Israel coming, is coming against them. So then they're thinking, maybe we'll get help from Assyria. Maybe, maybe they'll help us, and Assyria is bad news. And so um, they're like, maybe we'll get help from them. But then God speaks to Isaiah and is like, no, they're going to come against you too, and it's going to be bad. They're going to hit you, and it's going to be bad news, bad news. And I want to jump in because, yes, it's bad. And I do want to, I want to give this little context as we're talking about good news and bad news today. 
Um, the bad news is real. Yeah. Yeah. There is real hurt, real pain, real loss, yeah. real things going on. But God also speaks through Isaiah to the people and says, well, this is who I want you to be. Yeah. And this is who I've called you to be as you're facing this bad news. And so I just want to jump in Isaiah 8. This is what God says to, I, to Isaiah for the people. He says this, verse 8, or sorry, verse 12, says this. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear and the one you are to dread. And this is such an incredible word and it actually made me write down, I'm going to continue reading some in this chapter, but this... This verse and this challenge here actually made me write down some questions to really analyze the state of my heart and my spirit as we are faced with bad news. Am I being and operating in the heritage that God has called us to? So after reading this first piece of this passage, I wrote down this question in my journal. I wrote down, where do your fears lie? Where do your fears lie? Check your fear. Check your fear because God is actually speaking to the people as they're being attacked from all sides and there's conspiracy and opinions and division and pain and fear. He's saying, don't fear them. Fear me. Don't fear them. Fear me. And I thought that was so incredibly interesting in light of what we're all facing in the world because, again, he's not saying that's not real. He's saying, yeah, they are real. It is coming against you, but you don't have to fear them. Fear me, I am the Holy One. I am the Lord of the angel armies. And as I was looking into this, I actually saw that there were two different kinds of fear that theologians have assigned in the Bible, two different kinds, and that's what's talked about here. And the first kind of fear, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, is called servile fear, but this is a fear that someone who is oppressed would have for the the person or maybe mindset or anxiety that is oppressing them. The other kind of fear is called filial fear. This is a family fear and is most often related to a child who has reverence, honor, respect, and love for a parent and does not want to let them down because that is where their safety and love and security lies. They're two totally different kinds. And I really think what God is saying to Isaiah here is, hey, what type of fear are you choosing? Are you going to be afraid of your oppressors, which will actually keep you in a prison and will keep you in chains? Or are you going to be put your fear or rather put your power and authority with me and understand that I am the one who is in control? Because I think that right now in our generation, there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do than paralyze us right where we are. He wants nothing more for us to sit in a corner and hide out our eyes fixed on the thing that we could be afraid of, prisoners to our own fear. But he's saying, hey, don't just look at the practical. Understand there's something happening deeper in the spiritual. And I'm actually calling you to not do what everyone else is doing around you. You should be responding to the bad news in a different way. You should be set apart. So that's the first question. I'm going to read one more passage from this chapter here. This is verse 16. This is what Isaiah says after God has spoken to him. And he says this, Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob, and I will put my trust in him. So this is the second question I have. And I wrote in my journal, what am I waiting on? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? And, and as I looked a little more into the scripture, I actually saw that this waiting is an active waiting and not a passive waiting. Active waiting, not a passive waiting. 
God is saying to Isaiah, hey, yes, wait on me, trust in me, but I'm not, not wait on me in the sense where you hide in the corner and hide out from the world and isolate yourself and say, God's got it. No, wait on me as in lean into me, tune into me. It makes me think of actually a time before Nate and I were, were moved to Guatemala, but I worked as a nurse in, in many different areas, but I worked for a while in a heart transplant unit. And in this heart transplant unit, what we would essentially do is work with these incredible families and people who were waiting for a heart transplant. And once they arrived to the point to be on the waiting list, um, that's where we would say the work would just begin. Yes, they were on the list, but these families were incredibly connected with us. They had to lean into their care team, weekly appointments, be in tune. We knew when they were eating, sleeping, breathing, when anything would change. We were so in tune with them. Yes, they were waiting, but it was the most intense type of waiting you can imagine. And I feel like when, when Isaiah is saying this, this is what God is calling us to do in the face of bad news is, yes, wait on me, but that doesn't mean you sit in the corner. Wait on me. Lean into me. Hear me. Be in tune with my spirit so that in the waiting, we can be walking in the same direction. We can be guided by his spirit. And I think that something I wrote down is, I think that we're in a generation where instead of waiting on the Lord, we're actually waiting on our enemies. Who are we waiting on? Instead of waiting on the Lord, we're waiting on our enemies. And I think that we're, we're tending to passively wait on God, but actively wait on our enemies. The things coming against us, we're tuning our ears to the bad news. We're tuning our, our ears to the fear and the anxiety. We're allowing those things to come and guide our steps and move us and shake us and kind of passively waiting on God. He'll do something when he's ready, but this is where I'm, I'm waiting on my enemies, waiting on our enemies. And the problem is when we tune our ears to our enemies, the fruit of that is always going to be anxiety. The fruit of that is going to be us being paralyzed. The fruit of that is going to be stopping or going backwards instead of going forward. And so I believe that God had a word for Isaiah here and has a word for us as well. As we get bad news, as we're surrounded on all sides, don't wait on Assyria. Don't wait on the bad news. Wait on me. Lean into me. Hear me. Be with me. Obey me. And watch me take you through it. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? And I want to read this last passage here in Isaiah 8. And this kind of brought me to my third question. This is what Isaiah said. He says to this same group of people, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And then skipping down, it says, those who look toward the earth will see only distress and darkness. And I think that this brought me to my third question that I wrote down. In the face of bad news, what is your source? What is your source? What are we looking to? Should not a people inquire of their God? So Isaiah is saying, we get the bad news, and what do the people do? They're looking to the left and the right and all around saying, what can fix this? What can make me feel better? Where do I turn? But Isaiah is saying, Stop looking to the earth. Stop looking all around. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should not a people inquire of their God? Stop exploring dead sources. When I, you are alive in me, you are my children, you have been set apart, you've been given new life. Why are you looking to dead things in the world to be your source and to direct you in the bad news when I've actually made you alive and actually given you a living word to follow and be guided by? And I think that I wrote, I wrote this down as well. I think that in losing some of this heritage of how we stand in bad news as believers, I think many of us, and I felt convicted of this as well, 
have made the word of God a supplemental source. And a supplemental source, if you remember in high school or college class, a supplemental source is a fancy way of saying optional. (laughs) Meaning that, okay, if you want to read that, if it it would help you and you would enjoy it, read it. But it's really not what's necessary. It's supplemental. It's extra. And I think many of us in the face of bad news have said, God's word, yeah, I'll use it. It's a supplemental source. But I have all my other main sources that are actually guiding me, leading me. The news is my main source. And social media is my main source. And this friend and family member is my main source. And the Bible is here. And yes, I read it when I need to feel a little better, but I'm not, it's not really guiding and directing me. It's become a supplemental source. But here, God is saying so clearly that Isaiah, should not the people inquire of their God? Should not the people stop immersing yourself in dead things and looking to dead sources when I've given you a living source that never runs out? And I'm going to wrap up right here and, and actually go into Isaiah 9 because I want to talk about the good news about the bad news. They're good news about the bad news because, again, the bad news, I'm not saying that the bad news isn't real or the bad news doesn't affect and there's not pain and loss, and God was acknowledging that here. Yes, it's hard. It's not going to be easy. It's coming. But there's good news about the bad news. And it actually flows into Isaiah 9, and this was all the same conversation with Isaiah and the people of Judah. And you might recognize this. I'm going to read this. Isaiah 9, after, after Isaiah had told the people, okay, yes, it's coming. The bad is coming. Yeah. Here's what you do. You stand firm. Here's what you do. You fix your eyes on God. Here's what you do. You wait on me. Here's what you do. You read the word of God, the living word of God. And then he says this in Isaiah chapter 9. He says this, and maybe many of us will recognize this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Skipping down to to verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the good news about the bad news. And the good news about the bad news for the time of Isaiah and Judah was that someone else was coming, that yes, things were bad, and yes, there was bad news, and yes, there was things to overcome, but that someone else is coming. But the good news for you and I now, Shoreline City Church, is that someone else has come, that he died for us, that yes, there's bad news, yes, there's things to overcome, but someone has come, and he is wonderful counselor, mighty father, everlasting God, and prince of peace, and that he's coming again. And I think that if we can hang on as a church family, be a church family who, like the psalm says, we don't have to fear bad news. We can stand firm. We are grounded and rooted because of who came before us, who's coming back again. We don't have to fear the future. This is actually our heritage and our DNA and who we're called to be. And if we can be a church that stands up and walks in what God has called us to do and the anointing that he has placed on his shoulders, we will continue to carry the legacy that was assigned and entrusted to us for his glory. That's all I have for us today. Love you so much, church family. So honored to be a part of this. Thank you so much.